not only rational, but that the Christian worldview makes sense of our experience, our deepest longings, and our intuitions about the world. Thanks for listening, and we hope today's episode is both encouraging and challenging to you, whether you are a believer or a skeptic. Welcome and thank you so much for joining me today on this episode of the Reasoned Hope Podcast. This is a podcast where I look at different issues having to do with uh, the Christian faith uh, in particular or uh, religion overall, um, belief in God, uh, questions about science, uh, different cultural issues. Um, And the goal really is just to try to work through an issue Uh, present a thoughtful perspective and give you something good to think about, something substantive to think about um, that might help you wherever you happen to be uh, in your beliefs. Uh, This this podcast is not designed only for people who believe in God or who are Christians. It's it's designed for uh, anyone who is interested in questions surrounding um, religion and ethics and values and Uh, things like that. So I hope that today, uh, as always, is an episode that encourages you and uh, challenges you in a good way and gives you something to think about. So today, uh, the topic that I want to look at uh, is the idea of uh, faith deconstruction. And uh, this may or may not be a term uh, or a movement that you are already familiar with. Uh, some some people have heard of it and are pretty familiar with it, and others, uh, have they don't even know what the word deconstruction means. So um, I want to talk a little bit about this and why it is something I believe is important uh, to be aware of, as well as uh, some good things about this movement of deconstruction, as well as some things that I think are problematic about it. Um, so to start with, um, I'll just give what uh, one author in this movement of deconstruction, or maybe faith deconstruction is um, a better way to characterize it, because this this is something that has to do with um, religious beliefs and a person going through a particular process in their beliefs. So um, just to start with, a, a, a definition of deconstruction that one author has given is, is this— uh, she says, quote, that deconstruction is the taking apart of an idea, practice, tradition, belief, or system into smaller components in order to examine their foundation, truthfulness, usefulness, and impact, end quote. So um, hopefully that gives you a sense of what deconstruction is. I mean, Basically, this is just the idea of examining what you believe. It's uh, if you were raised in the church um, as a Christian, um, deconstruction would be the idea that you are now questioning the things that you were taught. Maybe individual beliefs. Um, it could be Christianity as a whole. Um, but the the picture. Um, one picture that has been given by an author in this movement is that. You know, your your beliefs are kind of like a house, and then, you know, you get comfortable in a house when you move in. 
and you as you live there, you get used to the different rooms. Each room has its own purpose and its own place. Um, you get really comfortable there. But over time, as you live in these different rooms, there's elements of the house or pieces of it that start to show a little wear and tear or start to be in need of replacement maybe or repairs or updating or something like that. So it's a, you know, we're kind of all familiar with that. The idea of renovating a house or a living space that's in need of it. And so one author has described deconstruction like this, that say someone's a Christian, they're a Christian and they've kind of moved into the, the Christian house, so to speak, They've been there for a long time, gotten real comfortable, but they've started to notice that certain aspects of the house are showing that age. They're showing wear and tear, and they need to be replaced. Or So maybe oh, this wall over here needs to be knocked out and replaced with a new one, or maybe this, uh, maybe the kitchen counter needs to be replaced, or the cabinets, or something needs to be redone in the bathroom, or um, maybe something on the roof. You know, you get the idea. When when you apply this to beliefs, like someone's beliefs as a Christian, these are their theological beliefs, you know, their beliefs about God and about what Christianity says and about what the Bible is, you know. These are all um, elements that someone might, for whatever reason, start to question and see in need of uh, change of some sort. So, I hope that gives you an idea of what deconstruction is. It's kind of a process of questioning and um, examining your beliefs in maybe what is perceived to be a fresh way, beliefs that you have taken for granted for a long time. And now you're at a place where you're just questioning some of those things. So that's really all faith deconstruction is. Now, this has become pretty popular, it seems, uh, amongst uh, Christians in the public square. And by by popular, I don't mean that this is something um, that people are seeking out or that they necessarily wanted to go through a process like this. I, I just mean that um, if you if you follow um, kind of the Christians in the public square, or even if you don't, you still might have heard about some of this. But basically, you have a lot of uh, prominent Christian public figures who have described their experience like this. They they are going through a process of deconstruction. So one example is um, the band Hillsong, which is a pretty popular uh, Christian worship band uh, from Australia. There was a guy who was uh, one of the lead singers for them named Marty Sampson, and he is an example of someone who kind of came out and said he was questioning his faith, going through a process of deconstruction. Um, the uh, pair known as Rhett and Link, um, I, I didn't know anything about Rhett and Link until I, I kind of became aware that they had come out and said that they were no longer Christians. And they're basically, they have a really popular YouTube channel um, and a podcast, I think. And they've just kind of been known as like Christian comedians, sort of. Um, they they used to work with Campus Crusade for Christ for a while, and then they've sort of gone on to do their own thing and, and been pretty successful at it. But they came out and had, I think it was two fairly long podcast episodes where Rhett kind of went through his deconstruction process and explained why he's no longer a Christian 
And then in the next episode, Link kind of did the same thing. And it was a shock for a lot of uh, Christian families uh, because Rhett and Link, you know, they're really funny and they're good at what they do. And um, they, they were popular with a lot of like Christian youth group kids and Christian families because they were sort of seen as a trusted source of clean humor. And so you can imagine if uh, Christian students, it, Christian families, they get used to hearing these guys just over years and years and years and enjoying the stuff that they're putting out. And just all of a sudden, they come out and say they're no longer Christians. I mean, it can be kind of a uh, a shock, and it makes you kind of wonder, man, what happened? You know, did they find out something that uh, just totally wrecked their faith, or what What was going on here? Um, so that's another kind of prominent example. Uh, the band DC Talk, it was a pretty popular Christian band. Kevin Max, he was one of their lead singers. He's come out and kind of said he's gone through a process of deconstruction. Uh, a guy named Joshua Harris, um, who was a pastor and had written a couple books that were uh, fairly prominent. Um, he's no longer a Christian. The singer Derek Webb, um, he was part of the band Cademan's Call and also kind of did some solo stuff. He's gone through a process of deconstruction and kind of losing his faith. Um, Audrey Assad, she's another singer. Kind of the same thing happened. And uh, a woman named Jen Hatmaker. And I, I don't know much about Jen Hatmaker. I, I believe she is an author or something of that sort. But she it's just... The point is that um, these are all kind of prominent Christian figures who have been reporting that they're going through something similar, and they have called it deconstruction, and there there are more people that could be cited. Um, But I just wanted to bring up those specific names so that in case you weren't aware that this is, um, over the past several years, this has been a a continual thing. Um, And so I I thought... I think it's important to be aware of this and maybe some of the things that are influencing it and just trying to listen to people who um, either say they're no longer Christians or say that they might still have some of the beliefs they used to hold, but they've they've changed. Um, so I, I, I want to clarify at this point, though, that some people who express that they're going through a time of deconstructing their faith, it's it's not that they always completely walk away from some kind of version of Christianity. There, there are people who walk away from Christianity and then they become atheists or agnostics or something else, but there, there are people who try to retain uh, a version of Christianity. So, um, the, the end result of this process is not always the same with people, and I think that's an important thing to know. I mean, there's there's also at least one person I know who has gone through a process like this, and her faith, her original belief in Christianity was actually strengthened, and she would now say that her faith is stronger than it was before because she went through a time of um, doubting and questioning and, and sort of examining the foundations for the things that she had just believed. Um, and that's, uh, Elisa Childers. So she, she's also kind of another, uh, former musician, 
but but she she's an example of someone who kind of went through this and sort of came out on the other side with a a, a stronger version of the faith that she said that she she held before. So why why is this an important movement to be aware of? Um, if you weren't aware of this faith deconstruction movement uh, before, now now you've kind of learned a little bit about it. Why why is it something that you should care about? Well, for me, I think there's three reasons. And one is that it signifies something important going on in the culture. So if you have uh, prominent Christians, or at least people who by all outward appearances, that, that they, they profess to be Christians, they seem like they're living like Christians, and they're doing things for God— if you have a a large group of them who it's like one after another, they are all coming out saying that they're deconstructing their faith and they're going through this process, it, it tells you there's something happening. And it might kind of be hard to figure out what that is just by hearing these reports. Um, I know some of them have done like interviews and, you know, like Rhett and Link, they, some of them have come out and just kind of said they provided... Uh, details of their experiences. And, and so that can be helpful just trying to listen to where they're at and what's going on, um, at least as much as they tell you. But at the very least, it tells you that something is happening in the culture. And if you are a thoughtful person, um, especially a thoughtful Christian, then you need to know what is going on in the culture. Um, because the Christian life is not just about checking theological boxes, as in making sure that you have all the right beliefs. Um, the Christian life is one about, it's, it's following Jesus and understanding that uh, following Jesus means that the way we live is important, but it is the things that we believe about ourselves and about God and about the world inform how we live, and they inform how we treat other people. And so, if you care about people and you care about truth and you care about wanting to live faithfully as a Christian where God has placed you, then being aware of the things that are going on in the culture, um, especially when it comes to what other people believe about God or what other people believe about Jesus, it's just important to have that level of awareness. Uh, I, I don't think that you can be a... Um, a faithful Christian, or, or I, I at least think that your your faithfulness to Christ and your witness is going to be uh, greatly hindered if you don't have some kind of cultural awareness of um, where that you're living. And so because this seems to be happening with a lot of people, I think it's a, a significant cultural issue that Christians should be aware of. And even if you're not a Christian, just if you're trying to be thoughtful about what you believe, um, I think it's also important. So that's the first reason, that it signifies something important going on in the culture. Now, the second reason would be that those who have gone through this kind of experience of faith deconstruction, they have a lot of really good questions that they bring up. So um, this has happened with a lot of different people, so this, these comments are kind of, they're very general um, but but at the very least, if you listen to enough people who who say they've been through this kind of process, they will 
bring up issues that they started to struggle with or question. Again, I know for uh, Rhett uh, of the pair, Rhett and Link, in his podcast episode explaining why he was no longer a Christian and kind of explaining the, the journey that he went through, he brought up issues related to science and faith, um, things with like evolution and age of the earth and stuff like that, and concerns about the Bible and how we should think about the Bible and many other things. But the point is that the questions that people raise and the issues that they are struggling with are very important things. And um, again, if you are a trying to be a thoughtful Christian, you should care about the questions and the issues that people who are going through a process of deconstruction are raising. Uh, because what, what we believe about the world matters, and it matters whether or not it's true. And it's important to listen to people who are, they might be either uh, questioning something uh, that you've never questioned before, or they might be presenting some kind of alternative perspective. It's really important to be open to that and to try to just listen to the the questions people have. Um, because people matter. And because people matter, their questions matter. And I, I think that's definitely something that Christians should emulate. Um, Jesus asked people questions all the time, and Jesus clearly saw that people mattered, and uh, that that's how he spoke to them. And so I think it's, it's important for Christians to pay attention to the questions that um, people who are deconstructing are raising for that reason, but it's also important because it helps you as a Christian think more carefully about what you believe. And you know, some of these questions maybe you haven't thought about before. And uh, so it's a it's good to it's good to kind of explore those things um, because it can result in you having a better understanding of of your own faith and your own beliefs. And it can it, it's good to be challenged, and it can help you grow as a Christian to be more mature in your thinking. Um, so that would be the second reason that. People who are going through this faith deconstruction process, they're asking good questions, and they're questions that Christians need to be aware of and and to explore. Now, the third reason would be um, it can help clarify where it is that people are turning to for answers. So if you have a significant amount of people in the public eye who, you know, for, for all intents and purposes, for all that is able to, uh, for all that we can tell, they, they profess to be Christians and they're, they're living that way. Um, these are people who are now turning away from that in some form or fashion. And so it's important to not only see that this is something going on in the culture, um, but that if someone says that they are walking away from Christianity, they by necessity are turning to something else. And this is the inescapable fact about worldviews. Now, a, a worldview in its most basic sense is just, it is the framework by which we uh, interpret the world around us. It's the framework which provides us with our, our values, our assumptions, um, and it 
it's it's the way we see the world you know it's been illustrated like a map you know a map provides you with uh, clarity on where some where things are located and it provides paths to get there it's it's presenting you with a map of the world or it's been characterized as like um, different pairs of colored glasses you know you can put on a blue pair of glasses um, where the lenses are blue, like the lenses are colored, and you're going to see everything in blue. Or if you take those off and you put on a red pair, you're going to see everything in red. And so worldviews color the way we see reality, and they guide our assumptions. They're, it's like the, the presuppositions that guide all the rest of our thinking. And so everybody has a worldview, and um, there's only a handful of worldviews. There, there's not an infinite amount. And so if people are walking away from Christianity or they say that they are um, maybe renewing or redefining or updating beliefs they once held, it's important to recognize that all that is being guided by something. And so this, this process of deconstruction that starts is motivated by something. You know, something happens or they start to have questions, but it is it is moving towards somewhere, and it is presenting. Um, people are embracing what they see as a solution to this, so they're going through this process of deconstruction, um, but they will inevitably end up somewhere, and um, so I think it's it's important for Christians. Um, at the very least, to be aware of, okay, if if somebody says they're walking away from Christianity, what is the alternative that they're embracing? Um, so those are the three. Those are three reasons why I think it's important um, for Christians, at least, and but but for thoughtful people in general, just to be aware of this movement of deconstructing faith. Now, I want to move from. Uh, that to talking about what I think some good things about this movement are. And then after I look at um, what I think are some good things, I want to look at some things that I think are problematic, that, that um, I think I, I have some concerns about. Um, but, but first, what are some good things about this movement? Well, one is that if you listen to enough interviews with um with people who are going through this process, they will talk about having questions. And they'll talk about questioning beliefs that they once maybe took for granted. Maybe they were raised in church and they were just taught that Christianity was true. Um, And then all of a sudden, they started having questions about those teachings or those beliefs. And this is kind of maybe what started the process of deconstruction for them. And so I I don't think there's anything wrong at all with examining what you've been taught. And, you know, it, it doesn't really matter what kind of background you're coming from. You know, this could be somebody raised in a Christian home. Um, it could be somebody raised uh, as a Muslim. It could be somebody raised as a Jew. It could even be of some someone who came from a more secular, um, atheistic household. But, but this particular movement that I'm talking about, it, it concerns uh, people who are kind of walking away from Christianity because this just seems to be the pattern. 
Um, but what I say here just applies to anybody going through this type of process. So I think it's good to examine what you believe. And I think it's good to examine the foundations for your beliefs. Um, I, I don't think that, you know, if, if you get to a point in your life when you've been raised as a Christian and you start to, to question that, the, the answer for you should not be, well, I should just continue to believe this because my parents have taught me that this is true. Or I should just continue to believe this because people in my church say it's true, or my pastor says it's true, or uh, my friends say it's true. I mean, that's a... Uh, the, the things that we accept as true, the things that we believe, are heavily influenced by the environment that we're in. So the social environment that we're in. Um, there's there's a lot to be said for how our environment and people around us can have a big influence on the things that we accept as true. And while that is certainly by no means an exhaustive explanation for why people believe things, I think it's an important insight into uh, what's called the sociology of knowledge. Sociology is just the study of societies, and so um, it's, it's interesting to see the relationship between kind of culture and um, how culture has an influence on what we believe. But, um, so, but the point here is that there is a healthy thing about looking into the foundations of your beliefs if you've never done so, and I think it's good. Um, part of my background is that I, I was raised as a Christian, and uh, about uh, seventh grade— I started to wonder if what I'd been taught was true. And I was in that kind of a situation. I mean, my the majority of my family's Christian. Uh, my parents had me in church pretty much all my life. I was in a Christian school. And, and so I was surrounded by people who affirmed the truth of Christianity and affirmed the truth of the things that I was being taught. But I started to realize that not everybody thinks that Christianity is true. And so... The natural next step was to wonder, how, how do I know that what I've been taught is true? And is, is there a way that I can know that? Because if other people, if a lot of other people don't accept Christianity is true, then maybe they have some good reasons for doing that. And so that was really when that process began for me. And I think it's healthy and it's good. Um, and, and this really ties into the next uh, thing that I think is good about this movement of uh, deconstruction, and it's that doubt is not an evil thing. And uh, a while back, I did a few episodes on uh, doubt, so if you're interested in that topic, I think I've got two episodes where I talk about that a little bit. So I won't go into like that comprehensive explanation about doubt here, but um, basically, I just I think doubt has a place in the Christian life, and it's not something to be seen as evil and um, just a, a sign of a lack of faith or anything like that. I, I think there's, a, there's a, an aspect to doubt that is human, that it doesn't matter what you believe. Um, if you're an atheist or a Muslim or a Christian, every person experiences doubt about the things that they believe at different points 
in their lives. And there can be degrees of doubt. You know, with some people go through a very intense time of doubt, and they might be struggling with one particular belief for whatever reason. Other people, it's kind of mild, and it comes and goes, and it's not really that severe. Um, it's also important to understand that there are different kinds of doubt. There can be factual doubt, where you're doubting the truthfulness of a particular thing that you've been taught, or there can be emotional doubt. And emotional doubt is very different from factual doubt. And so, depending on the type of doubt that a person has, um, there's there's different ways to approach helping somebody with that. And so, doubt in and of itself is a healthy thing, and it's it's just a part of being human. We're not finite, or excuse me, we're not infinite. Uh, we're not omniscient, so we don't have all the answers. And because we're finite beings, we're going to struggle with doubt at one time or another. And this is not just an issue for Christians or religious people. Secular people, atheists have doubts as well about what they believe. It's just, it's a human experience. So doubt is not an evil thing because of that. It's just part of being human. But within Christianity, in addition to that, all throughout the Bible, you have examples of people going through times of doubt and questioning and um, even being angry at God or, or just perplexed about things that he's doing or things that he hasn't done. or just um, So wrestling with God about doubts and questions or going through periods where you have doubts and questions is not at all foreign to an authentic and genuine Christian faith. And so for more on that, I would just direct you to the episodes on doubt uh, that um, I did previously, because it goes more into that. But So examining what you believe and recognizing that doubt is not an evil thing are, are, are two good things about the faith deconstruction movement. Now, the third thing that I think is good about it is that, that true Christianity is not a matter of just mere belief. Um. So at, at least one author that I was reading who is like providing a guide for how to deconstruct your faith, um, she talks about how a understanding of Christianity that says it is just about having the right beliefs is misguided. And the reason is because if someone thinks that Christianity is just about believing the right things, as in if it's just a matter of intellectual assent, if you're just checking the boxes, like, okay, I, I believe there's a God. I believe the Bible is God's word. I believe Jesus was the Son of God, and that he died for my sins. Um, if it's just a matter of checking those boxes and saying you believe those things, and that's it, then that is really a, a misunderstanding of what the Christian faith is. And I think that is absolutely right. The Bible has a lot to say about this. Uh, if you go and read the book of James, at least, there's one place uh, in the Bible where James is talking about how Christians are supposed to be doers of the word and not hearers only. And what he means there is that true Christians, true Christianity, is about hearing what God has revealed to us in the Bible and then responding to that by the way that we live. You know, God's, God's Word should have an impact in our lives that changes us and causes us to live differently. And um, so 
that's a, a, a very important thing to remember. And so if, if someone thinks that Christianity is just kind of a, a system of doctrines or a system of belief, and that all it means to be a Christian is to pray a prayer or check a few theological boxes, well, then they've missed the point. They've missed the point of what Christianity is, and that is, um, that's not at all what Jesus taught. And it's, a, it's just a distortion of true Christianity. So um, not, not all people kind of in the deconstruction movement uh, come from that perspective or point that out, but that at least has come from one author that I read that I thought was really good. Um, now, a fourth good thing about this movement is that it can expose uh, false Christianities. Now, false Christianities, that's just my way of saying that um, I think sometimes people can say the word Christianity, but it's unclear what that is referring to. Um, And so an an example of this is some of the stories of deconstruction that I have heard um, are examples of people who, when, when you ask them, or when they sort of explain what their experience with Christianity was, you know, they're 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 trying to be honest about when they were a Christian. What was Christianity to them? And sometimes, at, at at least with some of these people, not all of them, but at least some of them, you get the sense that they came from a very legalistic uh, background. And by legalistic, I just mean that. This would be someone who grew up in a church where um, Christianity was presented as a bunch of do's and don'ts. And so, I mean, the practical effect of that is that being a good Christian means that you just try to be a moral person. And you see the Bible as kind of this moral rule book. And you see God as kind of uh, the moral judge. And so... Christianity is about just trying to be a good person and trying to do the right thing. And if you mess up, God's not happy with you. And so you have to kind of get back to a better place with God when you mess up. And the way you do this is by doing things like going to church, reading your Bible, praying, uh, talking to other people about your faith, whatever. You know, it, it, it could be any number of things. Um, but that is not at all a true understanding of Christianity. And you can see how over time that would wear on somebody. If it's just a matter of do's and don'ts, and you find yourself messing up pretty often, I mean, that's going to get very discouraging and disheartening. And eventually, just all the emphasis on rules, you're going to get sick of that. And, um, you know, you may start to question some of the things that you're taught, and maybe you were never given any clear reasons why that this is true. And so then it just leads to further questioning. And when you bring those things up to people in your church, you're just told that um, your uh, doubt is evil and your questions are not good and you should just not pay any attention to those and you should just pray more. You know, it's like saying you don't have enough faith if you're asking those kind of questions. And so... In, in this view of, quote, Christianity, there is absolutely no grace. There's no relationship with God. 
there, there's no emphasis on the gospel of what Jesus has done to rescue us from our sins. It's just very stifling and very much about following the rules and trying to be good. And that is not at all what Christianity teaches. And so some people who have come out saying that they're no longer Christians are people who've been through an experience like this. And I think this is important to understand because if this is the case, then um, the deconstruction process is a reaction to something. And I think it's always a reaction to something. And that doesn't mean that that something is illegitimate or anything. It just means that this is a response. And so if we want to try to see where someone's at with this, we need to understand what it is they're responding to. And so for somebody in this kind of position, I would say that they've that they've not experienced uh, the true gospel of Jesus, and that this this experience they've had is is not at all what Christianity teaches. And so if they're going to walk away and, and say they're going to walk away from Christianity, and if they're questioning things, nothing wrong with questioning things, but um, if you're going to say that you're walking away from Christianity, let's make sure that we've that we're actually walking away from real Christianity and not some false Christianity. Um, this le- legalistic version of Christianity is not Christianity. It's not what Jesus taught. Um, another example of this can be Christianity when it's connected to um, a certain branch of politics. And, you know, it, it can be whatever. You know, if somebody thinks um, being a Christian means that you're a Republican or conservative, or if somebody thinks being a Christian means that you're more democratic and liberal, and for them, Christianity becomes tied up in politics, and so um, they they see Christianity as politics in some sense, and then they walk away from that. That's also not true Christianity. Um, so false Christianities, false perceptions of what Christianity is are everywhere. So those who are deconstructing their faith, saying that they're walking away from Christianity, their experiences a lot of times can reveal a lot about what what kind of Christianity that they are rejecting. And I think that is really important for um, people just to be aware of, that just because somebody says that they're walking away from Christianity doesn't mean that it's real Christianity, because there, there is a distinction to be made between genuine Christianity and false Christianities. Um, so that's another thing, is this, this exposing false Christianities is something good about this movement. It can help bring some clarity. Now, the final uh, good thing about this movement, I think, is that some writers in this uh, faith deconstruction movement have made the helpful point that Deconstruction is not the same as deconversion. Now, I I know I've mentioned the idea of people walking away from Christianity, and so that would be understood as a deconversion. If someone is converting to a particular um, belief system or religion, however you want to characterize that, um, if someone's converting to that, then they are then they are moving from atheism to now believing in Christianity. Or, or they're moving from 
um, Islam to Christianity, or they're moving from Christianity to Buddhism. You know, it's a it's a change. It's a conversion. If someone is deconverting, it means that they are abandoning an old way of um, life and an old their uh, old beliefs. You know, they're walking away from that. Um, but some some in the deconstruction movement have tried to cast deconstruction as more of this process of spiritual renewal. And so they would say that someone going through a process of deconstruction, say they're a Christian, this doesn't necessitate that they will deconvert from Christianity. They may come out on the other side um, from their perspective would be seen as like a, a renewal of their Christian faith. Um, and I think that's helpful for Christians to understand um, that when someone talks about deconstruction, it's not automatically like code for deconversion. Uh, although in many cases, it has led to uh, people's deconversion. So those are about five good things that I think are um, helpful about this movement. So now I want to move to what things that I think are problematic about it. And the first thing is that I think that there is a a lack of clarity on what it is that people are deconstructing. So this goes back to a little bit of what I said about the distinction between true and false Christianities. Um, a lot of these people who have come out publicly and said that they're going through this process um, are not always super clear on what it is that they are deconstructing. Some of them have been. Some of them will talk about their experiences with um, Christianity, but a lot of them don't. And, and so sometimes I, I've found that in conversations surrounding this, people just will say that they used to be Christians and now they're going through this process, and they're not asked, well, what for you has it meant to be a Christian? What, what is Christianity? And I, I think that is really the first place that if you are trying to get a grasp on this um, people's experiences here is that you really need to know what it is that they're leaving or what it is that they're trying to um, change or renew. Um, and if you don't have clarity on that, then you're kind of off to a bad start because it's without that clarity— you really don't know how to hear the rest of what they're saying. So I think at times, not with everybody, but at times there is a lack of clarity on what it is that people are deconstructing to begin with. The second thing uh, is that doubt and skepticism are encouraged and even celebrated at times when you hear people talk about this. So deconstruction in some ways has become um, a celebration of doubt and skepticism. Like it's a um, some have described it as like a courageous thing to do. Like, you know, you were, you were taught these um, beliefs for a long portion of your life, and now you're at a point where you're just taking the courageous step of questioning those things. And so going back to what I said, I mean, there's nothing wrong with examining what you believe, and doubt is not evil. Um, but when you get to so, so acknowledging that is different from celebrating doubt and skepticism is like kind of this, this way of life, you know, this permanent place that you're going to be, um, because no, nobody can live at a place of kind of permanent doubt and skepticism. 
So while there's nothing wrong with doubt, doubting is just being unsure about something, and it's we experience that because we're finite. Um, but there is an unhealthy version of doubt and skepticism that is, um, I don't think it's good. And when when you hear people talk about celebrating doubt and skepticism, many times this goes hand in hand with some version of, you know, we, we can't know the truth about God. Or, um, you know, we can only know the things that science tells us. And so... The point is that when when people start talking about celebrating doubt and skepticism as a way of life, they are inevitably going to be getting into the realm of epistemology, which in philosophy, epistemology is just the study of knowledge. It's the study of how we know things, what knowledge is, what are justified beliefs, and things like that. And so whether or not someone uses the term epistemology when they celebrate doubt and skepticism in this way, they're going to inevitably be making assumptions of epistemology. And so I just mentioned a few there, is that at times you'll hear, you'll hear people in the deconstruction um, arena say that, well, we, we can't really know God fully. And so, therefore, if anyone thinks they have the truth about God, then they are, they're just by definition wrong. And so we should be suspicious of any claims that someone thinks that they know the truth about God. So that's an uh, epistemic assumption right there. Because we can't know God fully, therefore no one can know the truth about God. Um, If you say, I used to accept things on faith, and then I realized I can only accept what can be proved by science, well, that's another assumption of epistemology. It's assuming that the scientific method and um, at least the hard sciences, are the only path to sure knowledge about the world. Um, so that, that is just brought up to say that there is a, a healthy um, version of doubt, and there's a, a time for questioning and wrestling with certain issues. But to, be at a, like a, to celebrate doubt and skepticism as kind of this virtue I don't think is good, because one, I think it brings in other assumptions about knowledge that need their own justifications and are not um, good ways to think about these issues. Um, but I also think that no, no, nobody can live that way. You know, you're, you can't always be at a place of doubt and skepticism because you, you can't even proceed on that kind of way of thinking without already having accepted certain things as true. So um, that could be a whole other topic, and I'll probably talk about that more um, in another episode. But that's really the second reason, is that to celebrate doubt and skepticism as a virtue is has some problems. Now, the third thing is that many times the result of this journey of deconstruction it seems to me that it leads to abandoning unpopular Christian teachings. And so here I'm, I'm mainly talking about people who go through deconstruction and they come out on the other side, say, say they were Christians. They, they claim to be Christians. They go through this process of deconstruction and they come out on the other side still claiming to be Christians in, in some sense. But when you start asking them, what's changed um, after this process, you know, what, what were some things that you believed to begin with and where, where are you at now? 
So it's like if we go back to that analogy of the house, you know, what's what's been the remodeling that's taken place? You know, what what walls did you knock out and um, what what beliefs were no longer useful that you got rid of and things like that? Many times you'll see that the hard teachings of Jesus, the hard teachings of the Bible, the things that are unpopular in our culture have been taken away and the easy things uh, remain. And so, I mean, there's a lot of examples of this, um, and I know each one of them can be controversial, um, and there could be a whole episode devoted to each one, but um, the, the Bible's teaching on sexuality is very, very unpopular in our culture. And regardless of where somebody lands on that, you know, the idea that marriage is between a man and, and a woman, um, the idea that sex outside of marriage is immoral, the idea that homosexual behavior is immoral. You know, they, these are very unpopular teachings for all kinds of reasons. Um, and I'm, I'm not going to get into all that now, but it's just a point that this is a hot, these are hot button issues in our culture right now. And so some people who, who go through this process of deconstruction and maybe they used to believe that marriage biblically is only between a man and a woman. And if they, they used to believe that um, homosexual behavior is immoral, they go through the process of deconstruction. Now they come out and their views on that have changed. And now they think marriage can be, um, marriage can be between a man and a woman. It can be between two men or two women. Um, so it's like their, their perspective on marriage uh, for them has opened up. Or now they think homosexual behavior is okay. You know, there's nothing immoral about that. And so the the point here is that a lot of times this is the result of deconstruction. And so my, my concern with this is um, if someone is going to say they're a Christian and they go through this process and they end up abandoning unpopular teachings of um, the Bible— and things that are very clear from a biblical perspective, clear from what Jesus taught, then your Christianity becomes, um, it becomes judged by the culture that you're in. And so whatever the culture happens to believe, your Christian faith just kind of morphs along with the culture. And so the culture becomes the judge of what is true for you. As a Christian, the culture becomes the judge of what the Bible actually says, and um, so for those people who aren't Christians, you know, this who don't accept the Bible as um, a source of uh, truth about the world, then this isn't really speaking to that so much. This is speaking to people who would claim the Bible is authoritative for them. That that I just don't think that's a good way to think about Christianity because. Um, Christianity has always been unpopular in every culture that it's been in. If you go back to the first century church in the Greco-Roman world, I mean, there, there are a lot of things about uh, Christian morality, Christian teachings that were distasteful to people then. And so if, if someone is trying to live as a Christian now, and the end result of their process of deconstruction is just to simply get rid of all the things that are unpopular right now, well, then 
your authority for your life is not the Bible and it's not God, it's the culture. And the culture is always going to be changing. And so um, that I don't think is an, a, a real uh, Christian way of life. Um, if you look at what Jesus taught and um, the worldview he had, if you look at things the Bible teaches, it's the, for, for a Christian, the Bible is, um, it, it is the truth of what God has revealed about us, about the world, and about himself. And um, God is who he is. And his truth is what he's revealed. And so the culture can't be the determiner of that because the implication there is that human beings are what determine truth about God. Human beings construct truth about the world. And I don't think that's a good way of viewing truth in general. And I don't think it's a good way of viewing truth as a Christian. So I think that's problematic. That's part of the what can be the end result of some of these experiences of deconstruction that I think um, guts Christianity of its uh, substance. Um, another thing is that it it assumes, so sometimes writers in this deconstruction movement, they will assume that God has not revealed himself, or they will give lip service to the idea that God has revealed himself, but in practice what they're teaching necessitates that he hasn't. And so um, one writer that I read was saying that if if people think, like if any version of Christianity or any religion says that they have the truth about God, then they are by definition wrong because no one can know God comprehensively. No one has complete knowledge of God. And so since no one has complete knowledge of God, then no one can say they have the truth about God. And in in her words, she said, no one has a monopoly on God. And so what this is designed to do is to appear to be tolerant and open and kind of say that um, people should be able to experience and connect with God in the way that they find helpful for them. And so, but this whole way of thinking, I mean, first, it's a, it's a non sequitur which just means that the conclusion doesn't follow from what was stated. It's a non sequitur to say that because uh, we can't have comprehensive knowledge of God, that therefore it is wrong to think that truths about God can be known. Um, so a, a the Bible reveals things about God. God is holy. God is loving. God hates evil. God is all-knowing. So the, the, these are things that are clear about God in the Bible. Um, the Bible says that Jesus, the person of Jesus, perfectly reveals God's nature and character. Um, so while it's true that we can't know God comprehensively in all of who he is, God has taken the initiative to reveal himself. And if he's done that, then there are things that we can know about God. And so... Um, I just don't think that's a good assumption to make, and I don't think it's. I don't think that conclusion follows. And, and so, if God has revealed Himself, there are things about Him that we can know, and there's nothing, um, there's nothing that is immoral or um, arrogant for thinking that uh, there there are truths about God that can be known, and that these are truths that we should build our lives on. And so, finally, one last problematic thing about this movement. 
is that in many cases, it does not provide any credible alternative. So it, it starts people on this journey of deconstructing their faith. Um, and what, what, what I'm looking for when I hear somebody talk about this is, where are they going to end up? Because everybody, everybody has a worldview. Everybody is going to land somewhere with their worldview. Even if it is a mix match of different worldviews, everybody's going somewhere. Um, you can't not have a worldview. So if someone is deconstructing their faith, whether this ends in a deconversion or it ends in some kind of different way of thinking about Christianity, um, I've not found that there is a credible alternative offered. And so in some cases, like I said, this ends up with a kind of a an, what people see as an updating of Christianity. But it's a Christianity that really doesn't have any foundation in, anymore. It doesn't really have any substance, and it's not very clear. Or it can be something like that permanent state of doubt and skepticism. And, you know, while there may be a place for times of doubt and questioning, to, to permanently remain there... Um, no one can live that way consistently because you have to believe something, and you're gonna, you're, you're thinking about the world is always going to be guided by something. Um, and where I think this really comes out is that there will be people who say, um, like one one example that I heard was uh, uh, a guy was saying that he started really struggling with the problem of evil and suffering in the world, and that. He saw examples of this on mission trips he went on. And it became really hard for him to reconcile the idea that there is a good and loving God who exists with this kind of suffering. And that's a, that's a very important question, and it's understandable um, that somebody would struggle with that. But his, the, the, the alternative now is, okay, if you walk away from Christianity because of the problem of evil and suffering— you still have to answer that problem. So um, if you end up as an atheist or something like that, how does atheism answer that original problem? How does it even make sense of that original problem? Uh, because on, on atheism, there really can't be something as objective evil in the world. Um, it's also hard to see what makes humans valuable and uh, what makes human life valuable and distinct? The point is that if you walk away from Christianity, uh, or if you kind of retool Christianity, I, I don't think it really leads to a credible alternative in different ways. And uh, this is a general comment, because I'm not talking real specific, uh, except for that last example. But if you if your process of deconstruction starts because of the problem of evil, you still have to answer that. The, the worldview that you adopt has to provide a better explanation for you than Christianity did. And so the, the, the pattern sometimes that I've noticed is that people will have these kinds of questions, they'll deconstruct their faith, and they'll walk away from Christianity. Um, but where they end up, doesn't really deal with the original question that was raised, and um, it doesn't really make sense of it. So I think it's important to consider what the alternative is, and I don't think that's always been done very well. So this was just overall, it's uh, designed to be an overview of this 
faith deconstruction movement, and I, I hope that it was uh, helpful for you. Um, I'm probably going to be doing another episode just kind of going a little deeper into a particular author that I read on this, um, but I hope this gives you a good a good uh, introduction to this movement of deconstruction when it comes to Christianity in particular. So thank you for listening. Um, you can always email me at reasonedhopepodcast at gmail.com with any comments, questions, or uh, topics you'd like to be covered. Uh, please tell other people about this show if it's something you find helpful. Uh, feel free to leave a positive review on uh, Apple Podcasts or Google or uh, wherever you listen to this. And finally, remember that there is reason for hope in Jesus Christ. <laughs>